Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work-from-home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Sashi Chandran, founder of Tea Drops, bagless organic tea pressed into shapes which dissolve into your hot cup of water. Not only does the typical tea bag get annoying during consumption, it also produces much waste. Tea Drops allows you to simply place a drop into your cup, watch it dissolve, and enjoy. Along with an amazing product, Tea Drops also contributes to a beautiful mission. With every purchase you make, no matter how big or small, Tea Drops will donate a year's supply of clean water to someone in need through the Thirst Project. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Sashi Chandran of Tea Drops. Sashi, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Of course. So I want to start out with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Yeah, so I actually grew up in Los Angeles, California, and um, I am the child of immigrant parents, very you know, classic immigrant story. My mom is Chinese and my dad is from Sri Lanka, which is an island off the coast of India. My dad was actually born on a tea estate in Sri Lanka and lived there until he was in his mid-20s and decided to pursue an MBA. And so he landed at UCLA in Los Angeles, the university to do his MBA. And my mom came from China when she was eight years old and her family who moved before her had established a... a, um, a Chinese restaurant in Fall River, Massachusetts. So she grew up there. And then when she was old enough, she wanted to go to UCLA for her undergrad. And so that's where my parents Mm -hmm. met met actually is at UCLA. And so, you know, my, um, I have an older brother who's about four years older. And so, you know, they had us and I, I just, even though my parents had pursued higher education, you know, they really started from nothing. And so they always, even though they had corporate jobs and had work experience, my parents always had side hustles. So mm-hmm. my mom actually on the weekends, she would take care of us during the week on the weekend, she would work and owned a crystal store, like crystal va- vases and whatnot. Yeah. And, and we would be exposed to, it was more of like a swap meet type of environment. And so I remember working with her at the swap meet. My brother also worked there and got a job selling video games a few doors down at like the video game store. <laughs> so we were always exposed to enterprising and business kind of from a very, from a very young age. And my yeah. dad was real estate rehabbing properties. He would go to real estate seminars on the weekends. So I, I, I paint this story to just tell you that we, like they, my parents were, the first entrepreneurs I ever knew without really even knowing what that word meant, which is yeah. like I was exposed to people who had grit, had hustle, were creative in many ways and made it, made it work, you know, made it work. Um, and we had a very, very great lifestyle, you know, I mean, in, in a sense that even though they worked super hard, we always went and had, you know, uh, opportunities of, of accessing great education, great public schools, 
um, and had a, a very, you know, all things considered a really amazing childhood. So for sure. Amazing. So for yourself, would you say that you had an entrepreneurship mindset, say like lemonade stands or you sell any products? Yeah, I didn't realize it at the time, but I remember in in middle school, no, even before middle school, I think it was elementary school, I with my friend, we we started this like bead business where there was this um, store in Westwood called Bead World. I would go there. I loved, you know, like these, they, they had all types of beads, Swarovski crystal beads, et cetera. I would make bracelets and I would sell it at school the next day. Mm-hmm. Not for like a ton of money, but like $5, yeah. $7. Like that was actually a lot when you're, you know, eight or nine. So mm-hmm. especially during that time. So I would do that. I always had a mindset of, well, how could we like make money from this? So whether it's, it's yard sales Um, you know, the idea of that you could create something and someone else would find value in it and exchange money for it was just a fascinating concept to me, even from an early age. So I always had those types of side businesses. I never realized that meant that I had an entrepreneurial bone, but looking in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, those were like the, the, the foundation. Some of the experience was really the foundation of like, oh, enterprising, I guess you, you would say. And Mm -hmm. that's definitely persisted throughout my life. So I saw you went on to study at UC Irvine in 2003. What did you study there? Yeah, so I ended up doing, um, I wanted to get a business degree, like a rounded Mm -hmm. business degree, but UC Irvine at the time didn't really offer that. They had a, a, a degree in economics and they also had a minor in management. So I figured if I combine economics and, and a management degree, I would kind of get a rounded business degree. So that's what I ended up pursuing. Um, I had other interests at the time. I really was into sociology, um, anthropology to some extent, um, the, the humanities really. And so, um, and, and the school of social sciences. So I really, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Uh, I thought I was gonna pursue I think it was like international studies or something, but Mm -hmm. I thought that if I had a well-rounded business degree, I could kind of navigate into anything after college. And so that's what I decided and landed on. Okay. With your time there, were you involved with any athletics or clubs? I was. um, I I was working from a young age. So even when I was Mm -hmm. 13, um, at, well, my mom swapped me. And then when I was 13, I was babysitting and always had kind of side gigs. So in college, you know, my parents, I was very fortunate. They agreed to pay for tuition and some housing, but everything else, actually not housing, they paid agreed for tuition, but then housing I was responsible for and food. So I was mm. always working from a young age. So I would work college campus jobs. Um, like there was campus housing, I would work there and I, and then I would study a lot. So the the other organizations I was involved in um, was really around homeless outreach. So I was part of this this club called Shout, which was um, Students for Homeless Outreach United Together was the, the like long. Okay. Um, so I was involved in that, and I also was working a lot on campus and then studying. So that really is what filled my time most most of my college. Got it. So following college and prior to tea drops, then what kind of jobs were you working? So I ended up, you know, getting my degree in economics. I was at a social science uh, work fair one day on campus, and I came across this um, company that that um, their their you know their whole organization was market research, and I didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. I was 
thinking about going into management consulting or finance at the time, because that's kind of what everyone was doing. But the more I explored that path, the more I'm like, this sounds miserable. It's like, yes, it pays a lot, but like you're, you're going to be working a ton. I don't even like this, this notion of consulting. And so I just felt like I, I, I hadn't found my, my place yet. So one yeah. day I was at this college fair, I saw this market research company. I Googled what is market research. And I learned that it's basically the study of human behavior, you know, how people make decisions and, and it's administered via surveys or focus groups. And um, this particular market research firm worked for, you know, had clients like big corporate clients like Shell and other finan financial institutions that were really studying their own customers and learning how they make decisions. And out of everything that I saw really is available in the job market, I felt that was actually most fascinating to me because it kind of combined my curiosity around sociology and even psychology to some degree with my econ and business degree. Um, so those two in combination, um, I felt like, okay, I, I think I can envision myself doing it. So I applied for the job. I got it. And my first job was at a market research firm in Southern California. I hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Sashi's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Ativa Fit. When it comes to keeping up a healthy and active lifestyle, it gets very easy to get sidetracked. Busy schedules around work, school, and family make it hard to find time to go to the gym. Ativa Fit offers quality equipment at a very affordable cost. For example, if you go to their site, you can find an indoor cycle with a 35-pound flywheel for $299.99. Just think about that and compare that to any other competitor. Nothing compares to this cost at this quality. Make sure to check it out for yourself at ativafit.com. That's ativafit.com and enjoy the rest of the episode. And then moving on to tea drops 2015, what inspired you to come up with this concept of the bagless tea then? Well, it, there's, there was a lot of in between that happened, you know, from graduating yeah. and then Working sure. at market research, I actually was laid off in 2008 during that, um, you know, that I guess you could call it economic crisis during that time. 30% mm -hmm. of the company was laid off. I was one of them. I think when you're young and you're laid off, you're like, oh no, this is it. Like, yeah. what am I going to do next, you know? But that was actually a very transformational time for me in that um, I ended up, I remember being laid off a week after I just signed a new lease on an apartment. And I was like, oh no, you know, like how am I going to pay for this new new apartment? And I I didn't know I had uh, some buffer and savings, but I ended up just not not applying for jobs right away because the market was was really crappy at the time. But I took um, some piano lessons and I took an art design, like a graphic design course at a local community college. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the side, I would look for jobs like market research jobs. And I actually found a few independent contracting um, gigs. I, I worked for this government agency for the government of Catalonia, which is really random. And then I did some market research um, jobs for, for some smaller companies and um, contracted basically. And yeah. between those two, I was like, you know, after a month or two, a month or two, I, w I realized I was actually like, okay, you know, I was surviving. Sure, I wasn't making tons of money, but I was able to pay for my overhead, which was rent and food. And there was something really empowering about that. And that probably goes back to, you know, my enterprising, um, 
my, my, my desire for enterprising entrepreneurship. So what mm-hmm. I ended up doing was just not even applying for a full-time job. I started my own small business market research firm. So I contracted my own service. It was just myself, but I contracted with various companies and I did that for about a year and a half. And mm-hmm. then that kind of catapulted me to um, learning about an opening at eBay, which was in, in, in um, you know, the Bay Area, um, Silicon yeah. Valley. And I ended up um, applying for that role and getting it. You know, I interviewed there. I flew up. I interviewed there. And so then my whole life, I moved to the Bay Area. I started with eBay market research and then moved on to this marketing rotation program where you spend six months in different areas within eBay and learn, learn about the business. And that sent me into learning more about digital marketing, email marketing, a lot of other areas. Mm. And I did that over the next few years. And at that time, you know, I'd always had this love for tea. It was developed since I was young. Both parents kind of respect their respective countries are huge tea drinkers. So I realized um, one day that I was making a lot of tea at my work desk. And I realized that it's actually a very cumbersome process if you make true loose leaf tea. Um, So you have your tea kettle, you have your strainer, you have all your tea paraphernalia, if you will. You have to, you know, brew a cup of tea and steep it for five to seven minutes. And you don't really just have that luxury of time when you're in a, in a fast paced corporate environment. Right. So yeah. I, I kind of, that was my own personal pain point. And I never really liked tea bags because I just felt they never really had that, that same type of aroma or flavor as loose leaf tea. So that yeah. was my first inkling, like, you know, I, I, this should be solved. Like why, why aren't, why isn't there anything that's a convenient loose leaf tea experience? And I went to my grocery store. I went to a lot of places. I didn't see it. So that, just um, inspired me to to kind of take it on myself. I didn't realize it would be a business, but I just started experimenting with different tea blends in my kitchen at the time. And one thing led to another. A year later, I I developed this notion of a bagless tea in the form of a tea drop. And um, the best way to describe it is like a bath bomb, except it's actual tea. So it's compressed. It's like tea leaves ground together, compressed into a fun shape, like a heart star flower. And you just Mm -hmm. drop it in hot water and... um, you stir and your tea's ready. So I started sharing this with colleagues at work and friends um, and started selling it at, you know, farmer's markets or artists and shows while I was still working full time. And that was actually the first clue that this could actually be a business one day. Just the, the response I was getting around the innovation, around the product itself. So mm-hmm. that's what really inspired me to start. That was the founding kind of story wow. of tea drops. So what did the prototyping process look like then from your kitchen, from grounding the tea or compressing it? So what did it look like from your point of view? Um, Honestly, it was very, it didn't like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't obvious to me. I just started experimenting. I would buy tea leaves. I would go to stores, buy the tea leaves. I would grind them just to kind of see learn more about the properties of tea and, you know, well, if you grind it and you put it in hot water, almost like a powder, what does that taste like versus a loose leaf tea? And Mm -hmm. I just honestly spent months learning about that because depending on if it's a white tea, black tea, green tea, it all has different steep times and right in different quantities that you need. So that's what I spent the first three to six months learning. And then the next phase was just grinding it and combining it with different spices and additives being like, well, what does that taste like? Do I like yeah. that? You know, because first I thought like th- I was going to create like a powder mix of tea that you just make and then you 
um, add it to hot water and that's your tea. But one day I think I was actually taking a bath or something and I, and I basically was thinking about a bath bomb and I'm like, why can't you just kind of add, make the tea into a shape and add it to hot water. And that is, that was kind of the, the silver bullet that made me think of um, tea being in a shape. And so I spent the next six months figuring that out. How do you even put tea in a shape? And so I ended up patenting the process of how tea drops are made. Um, there's definitely IP around it, but that was the first, that was like the prototyping process. Interesting. So prior to launch then, um, did you acquire any funding, say for production to kind of kick this off the ground? No, it was all my own savings. So before okay. I left my job, I put together my own personal savings. Um, I just purchased a house before that year, year earlier and I took a home equity line of credit. And so that's what I use as the startup money. Um, I was deciding whether I wanted to do my MBA at the time or start this business and I decided to, to go all in on the business and figured, you know, that would kind of be my mini MBA is starting this mm -hmm. business. So how many varieties uh, did you launch with then? Um, I just had one at the time. Our, our tri spice, which previously was called our cardamom spice, was my first tea drop I ever launched. The following year, I think I launched three or four new varieties from a vanilla white tea to a rose earl gray, um, I think a peppermint. So it, it came kind of fast right after the first one. But it was really maybe three or four SKUs that I had that first year. And I was doing a ton of trade shows. So in our world, you know, there's artisan shows, there's food trade shows. I must have done 25 to 30 of those that, that first year just oh, wow. to get our name out, just to get feedback on the product, learn the circuit. Um, and it was exhausting. You know, I was making this product in my kitchen. I took my 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 recently retired mom out of retirement and had her help me <laughs> and help around the clock in the kitchen. I had some interns and um, between my, my apartment kitchen, I converted my downstairs garage into our fulfillment center. I operated the business out of there for the first year or so. And then graduated to a commercial kitchen where we were sharing space with other food makers. And then eventually we transitioned to our own kitchen. Our, our, our own co-packer. Amazing. So what were your uh, main forms of marketing at the time of launch then, would you say? Honestly, I didn't have budget for much else. So the trade shows yeah. really took, took the entire budget that I had. Um, and each trade show can be 2000 to $7,000 plus, plus travel, plus, you know, um, shipping your products, shipping your booth to a location. So all in, you're talking about several thousand dollars. And that's a huge yeah. investment to a brand that's just starting out, right? For sure. Um, and so I wish, and I still think this is a great idea of like having a, a guidebook or some kind of reference for like, what are the trade shows that are worth it? What are not? I had to figure a lot of that about a lot of that out just by talking to people and researching the show. And I remember feeling very tense, like, is this even going to pan out? Will I even make recuperate the cost of the booth? Yeah, And sometimes you did, sometimes you didn't, but I think those were really valuable. Um, that was a valuable use of marketing dollars and my time because I think it did two things. One is, is I had to pitch and sell my own product, right? And, and that, that can be really uncomfortable for some people because, yeah. you know, what's one thing to make something, it's another thing to convince someone else to buy it. What, what are the merits of it? But it, you know, I got 
to know my product intimately well. I also got to know how consumers respond to it intimately well. I mm -hmm. learned the basics of selling and, um, and I got feedback, you know, a lot of feedback on what people liked, what people didn't about the packaging, about the product itself. Um, and then the second thing is, um, you know, just doing all of these shows, you also learn what, you know, the industry a lot more. I learned yeah. from other makers. I learned from just, I met people who ended up being my mentors. So it was like the community itself was also very valuable. And I could only have done that if I actually did the shows. So that's, mm. that's how I marketed. And that's how I built my first 500 set of retail accounts was really brick by brick, essentially either going in store, pitching it, or being at these trade shows and pitching buyers. When you were at these shows, did you notice a trend in who was receptive? Or in other words, what is the main demographic overall? It, each show is very different. So some retailers, okay. you know, you're, you're pitching to boutique retailers. So like people who own independent stores, some you're, you're pitching to grocery buyers for like a large chain. And sometimes you're pitching just to a consumer because you're selling direct to consumer. Yeah. So I learned basically how to pitch to um, a variety of different customers or potential customers. Mm -hmm. And um, there's no, I don't know if there was a silver bullet, but I think once I, the story, you know, of sharing what inspired me to create tea drops, why I felt this product had to exist and showcasing and having people actually experience the product, taste it right then and there were all things that I just learned along the way, you know, cause you, you do what your first show and you're just trying to sell the product. You don't even think of like offering samples. I know it's something so stupid in hindsight. Yeah. Like, <laughs> then the next show you're like, okay, I definitely have to have samples, but then I don't want to, I don't want to serve full samples. So how do I cut these into smaller pieces? Like, oh, maybe I could get, you know, a compression mold that has smaller, um, smaller size tea drops, you know? And, and so you yeah. kind of iterate, and I know this sounds very juvenile, but it's those small things that you accumulate over time. It's not like you're born knowing how to, how to set up a booth or how to pitch or so many things, right? You're just learning. For sure. So I was looking at the website and I saw that with every box sold, Tea Drops donates a year supply of clean water through a thirst project. Um, and I actually had I had Seth on the show a while back, and I oh, really love cool. I really love their mission. It's a, a great initiative. I was wondering what led you to choosing this specific initiative uh, with the water crisis. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think I was looking. I always wanted Tea Drops to have a social mission and social component to. Mm -hmm. Um, our work, it just, it, it was an important part for me personally. Um, yeah. And so I had looked at other organizations, other causes, but I kept going back to the water crisis because it's kind of like, to me, um, a dumb problem that shouldn't exist. It's a sad problem, but one that, you know, we should be able to solve. Um, and the other aspect to it of how it aligned with tea drops is, um, is that, you know, obviously without access to clean water, you don't have access to good hygiene. You don't have access to economic opportunity, to education, but you also can enjoy life simple pleasures like a cup of tea. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of felt aligned with tea drops, right? Is that if, if we're going to select um, a cause that's important to us, the water crisis feels large enough. It feels something that should be solvable um, that we can make actual impact with. And it's also very much in alignment with our product offering. Mm -hmm. And so I started looking at organizations, different charity. Uh, I looked at, you know, a bunch of um, 
charities and organizations related to the water crisis. And I kept going back to the Thirst Project. Um, first and foremost, they are also Los Angeles based. So I felt like, okay, if we ever, if I ever wanted to chat with them directly, at least I could literally go to their offices and yeah. talk to Seth or talk to Luke there and, and have a direct relationship and conversation. And then obviously this, the second but more important part, it was the work that they were doing. You know, obviously you've talked to Seth, you know how passionate and how genuine he is about. For sure. Mission. And that came through to me in, in their website. I actually didn't even know Seth from the beginning, but I, I was just looking at their work and their impact. And at that point, you know, their model was, was youth education around the water crisis, but also building water wells all over the world and specifically um, in Africa. And so um, I just started, you know, we didn't have a formal relationship from the beginning, but we would just start sending smaller donations when I first started that relationship in 2016. And over time, we've cultivated a really amazing relationship with them. Um, and we've built, I believe, three water wells at this point with them, um, wow. but have served, you know, a, a huge part of their community um, with access to water. And this year we're transitioning, um, you know, there's a lot of work they're doing around youth education around the water crisis. And so mm -hmm. we will be working with them on creating um, tea drop sponsorships for a lot of their amazing youth leaders. Um, and so we're really excited about how that, that relationship has transitioned and, and just increased over time. Wow, that's amazing. So looking at tea drops today, what would you say overall separates your brand from competitors? I think we're differentiated on a multitude of different fronts. I think first and foremost yeah. is our product format. You know, we're the first of our kind to do the the tea drop shape and have a shaped tea. So I think that, um, I mean, obviously in ancient Chinese culture, there's something called brick tea or pure tea, but it's, it's very different in format. So we're the first of our kind in our category to do that. And I think the second piece that, um, is really kind of notable for me is that, you know, prior to, to the tea category itself is very heritage driven, you know, it has actual like colonial roots in a sense, yeah. like um, it really hasn't, it hasn't experienced much innovation for hundreds of years, like literally since the tea bag. And the brands that exist kind of reflect that, you know, they're more heritage brands or, or value or economical driven brands. But what we're trying to build is really an experiential brand. So yeah. I, I, I say Tea Drops is really a self-care first experiential tea brand because there is this experiential component, right? Ritualistic component of unwrapping the tea drops, putting it in your cup, adding the hot water, stirring it, washing the tea leaves drop to the bottom, sipping yeah. it. You know, there's a, there is really yeah. this experience that also it's paired with. So that's also a big differentiator for us. Got it. So what would you say is your top seller if you have any idea yeah so we have a couple um lately it's been our our boba box experience has been um doing incredibly well and for those who don't know what boba is it's it's um an asian beverage uh has a lot of you know asian roots in that it, there's a milk tea base and then you add these um, tapioca pearls to the drink and it's become super popular. So we created a kit where you can make that in the comfort of your own home. And that's been a huge seller. Um, from a single tea variety, our citrus ginger, which is an herbal blend of organic citrus rinds, organic ginger has been a top seller. Our rose earl gray, which is a robust earl gray tea base um, with organic rose petals 
is also another fan favorite. And our matcha green tea um, is also a, a really great caffeinated blend. Um, and we work with a, with a farm in Japan of where we source the matcha. Awesome. So I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, what would that be? Maybe something you've learned or regret? Just anything. Yeah, I mean, I think what is the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship, or at least what I've kind of come to know meeting a ton of amazing founders is, you know, you always think of like a business owner or an entrepreneur as being like an Elon Musk, right? Like, or, yeah. or Steve Jobs, like incredibly intelligent, like almost a savant, right? But I think what's what I've seen is that most entrepreneurs are just everyday people that were super passionate about solving a particular problem or a certain industry and just never gave up. And so I think that's reassuring that really anyone can do this. It does take, you know, persistence. It does take a certain level of, um, I guess I call it equanimity where you don't get too riled up on the highs and the lows and you manage your own, your own emotions. But the reassuring thing is that with grit and per perseverance, you really can um, weather this and and make progress as an entrepreneur. For sure. Well, Sashi, thank you so much for joining me. And to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Tea Drops at myteadrop.com. Thank you. Yes. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Starting Small. If you would, leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.